my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. Welcome to the Black Girls Heal podcast, where we talk about healing our intimacy disorders, unresolved trauma, and building a healthy relationship with first ourselves and then others. Every episode, we will talk about advice you can apply today to break unhealthy patterns and grow in your self-worth. I'm Sheena Lachey, love addiction coach and trauma specialist. Let's begin. Hello, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Black Girls Heal. I hope that you are doing well wherever you are and feeling loved and feeling supported. And if you are not, that you are doing the work to eliminate the people, the places, the things, the commitments that are draining you and choosing yourself, knowing that only you being full, only you being content, only you being happy and connected to yourself is what's going to make everything around you thrive and especially yourself. So do what you need to, to make that your reality. And I hope this episode helps you get closer to that. So as promised a few episodes ago, we are going to go over our Healed and Loved Woman framework. This is the framework that I use when I am helping women go from being love addicted to love balanced, love avoidant, to love available, love deprived, to fully feeling their love worthiness. Uh, This is the trajectory that you should follow or you can follow. I'm not going to tell you what you should do, but this is what I really coach the women that I support, my students, and all of you as listeners to to seek to cultivate. And um, this is, I was thinking about this as I was preparing for this episode, you know, on this podcast, I talk about love addiction, love avoidance, and love deprivation. And I was doing our last open house last week, and someone in the in the audience who who attended said, "Well, I relate to having a, an insecure or anxious attachment, but I don't relate to love addiction." And that was such a good thing for her to say because everyone who is love addicted or relates to symptoms of love avoidance and love deprivation qualifies as having an insecure attachment style. However, everyone who says that they are insecurely attached may not relate to the desperation, may not relate to the intense feeling of loss of control, the intense feelings of shame and guilt that come along with it. Uh, And so if that's not you, then it's good for you to know that. However, when we talk about the healing journey, or when I talk about the healing journey and how I've work to kind of conceptualize this over the years. The healed and loved woman is my version of what a secure attachment looks like. It's a holistic view of what does it look like to make space for all the people that you want in your life, to make space for yourself, to make space for pleasure, to make space for how to handle pain in a healthy way, to make space for the whole range of emotions from from positive and happiness and joy and excitement and um being horny and all of those things to the ones that may be a little bit more painful to the betrayal feelings, the feelings of hurt and desperation. Because as we go through this healing process, the only thing that's promised to us is that life is going to life. And so we need to be at a place where we can 
be connected to bringing our full self, to knowing how to find and be attracted to healthy, available people versus being attracted to people who will continue to traumatize us and hurt us. And knowing that it's okay for us to have our full scope of wants, needs, desires, cares, opinions, values, and that it's it's ours to hold and to and to honor and to share with others and to not hide and not also go on the other extreme, which is I'm so afraid that you're not going to listen and take care of me that I become super aggressive and I become super paranoid and hypervigilant because I'm operating from a place of pain versus a place of wholeness, right? Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. Attention to all my proud plant parents. It is time to give all of your plant babies the best nutrition you can, starting from the bottom up. And that starts with the best soil to help them grow happy, nourished, and strong. Coast of Maine is an organic soil brand that is approved for organic growing and has been sourced from ocean waters and farms for over 28 years. With a full range of products to support every garden and lawn, Coast of Maine products are made to restore roots to the natural world. If your soil lacks appropriate nutrients for success, by adding Coastal Maine products, it will help regenerate the healthy microbes in your soil and set you up for gardening success. And if you have a vegetable garden, not only do you benefit via an abundant harvest, but find that there is less need to maintain and feed throughout your season. Coastal Maine continually perfects the art and science of sourcing, mixing, and composting products worthy of the people and place that aspired their brand and the healthier world it was built to serve. Coastal Maine believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers. The products are carried by tons of local retail partners who can provide advice and insight that is not found in the big box stores. Coastal Maine knows from beginner to expert, anyone who takes a hand to the land has something to offer the growing community for gardeners everywhere, which is why I love how they make organic gardening simple and approachable for everyone. So let's get growing. Visit coastofmaine.com to find a local retailer near you. Coast of Maine, like the state with an E.com. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. And so I hope that as I lay out how I have marked out these archetypes, that you can find yourself in some parts of it that you can say, okay, I feel like I relate more to being love addicted in this place, or I feel like I relate more to being love balanced, and I feel more love available, or I'm totally falling into my love worthiness, and for you to kind of use this as your own scale. So that's the topic for today's episode, and we're going to get into that. And uh, make sure you stay to the end because I have a special surprise of something that's also coming back. And uh, as a special hint, that thing may be related to text and inspiration throughout the week. So let's go ahead and get started. Okay, so for each of these different archetypes, I am going to map out three three characteristics and what it looks like under being love addicted and versus love balance and love avoidant versus love available and love deprived versus operating in your love worthiness. Okay, so let's start with love addiction. Love addiction is the persistent obsession of a person, a relationship, or the fantasy of a personal relationship and mistaking it as love. 
this is what can keep us connected to people who are unavailable to us because we have an image in our head of how good the relationship could be. We hold on to crumbs. We hold on to potential. We hold on to sweet moments because we most often have not had many positive experiences like that otherwise. Or we are so used to being in relationships with people who there's always this really negative, draining, destructive quality to it. So when we are in relationships with people who are unavailable and aren't good for us, friendship, romantic, family, and otherwise, is not even on our radar. These are the type of relationships that other people can see as being problematic, but we can become very defensive of it. We can become very protective of it. We can um, really want to... believe the best in that person. And we may say things like, well, let me just wait and see what happens. Or I'm just going to keep my eyes open or I trust myself. So I'll leave when I need to. Not understanding that when we are in these types of relationships as love addicts, where we will try to, where we are prone to mistake this emotional intensity and connection for love, the longer we stay and the more we don't get grounded the more connected to this person that we, the more we become connected to this person and to this partnership and the harder it is to leave, the harder it is for us to see clarity. And often once the lights do come on, come on fully and we're fully aware because especially if we started with awareness at the beginning or people telling us to look out for things, or we saw the red flags and we chose to try to minimize them because we thought we saw so much good on the other side of it, we can live in a lot of shame and we don't want to reach out for help. We don't want to tell people we either stick it out or we go through the breakup by ourselves or we go through the disappointment by ourselves instead of reaching out for help from the people who love us or the people who want to help us. And so love addiction is one of those things that it is fast, it is intense, and it makes it really hard for us to feel like we have our heads on correctly, even if we're highly functional functional in other places in our life, even if we have really great strengths in some other areas, even if we have crazy, crazy good boundaries in, with coworkers, with everybody else, when it comes to romantic partnerships, for some of us, when it comes to family relationships, for some of us, when it comes to our friendships, we can become very toxic and codependent with who we want these people to be, what we want to get from these relationships, and we'll stay longer than we need to, okay? So that is love addiction versus being love balanced. Love balance looks like you are able to fully connect to a partner, a friend, or a loved one while still maintaining your love for yourself. You don't abandon yourself for the sake of being connected to the other person. We don't self-gaslight. We don't ignore our intuition we are able to balance two things being true at the same time, that I really like this person, or maybe I even love this person. But what this person is able to give to me and what they want to give to me, what they think I'm deserving of does not meet what I want and what I need. And so I can operate in kindness and love and know that this otherwise would be a relationship that I want to be a part of. But based on what is currently available, it's not right for me. And we can step out and leave. Um, A person's love balance does not try to solve other people's problems. They don't try to fix them. They are only responsive when someone asks for help. And then they also are hip to the fact when someone is asking for help, but they're also playing victim. 
when um, they continue to take and take and take and nothing gets better, um, when they always have excuses, when they act ungrateful for the help that you give. Um, all of these are examples of boundary breaches. Um, someone who's love balanced is able to say, look, I give from a place of love, not expectation at the same time. I deserve respect and I deserve kindness and I deserve this. And if this isn't available, then this isn't the right place for me. Um, and someone who's love balanced knows that she does not have to choose between loving herself and other people, that you can do both. Um, that love is available for all, you and them. So um, the, as far as the qualities that differ between someone who's love addictive versus love balanced, a love addict really operates out of her fear of abandonment. So the hopeless romantic romanticizes relationships because she has a core belief that once she's chosen and once she's in a relationship, she'll finally feel safe. However, there are two things that I want to remind you of if you operate from this archetype is one or two things that may happen. First is you may, as if you're operating as a hopeless romantic as from love addiction, there's nothing wrong with hopeless romance. By the way, when I teach this at any other place, I always talk about this. All of the qualities of really all of the archetypes come from really big strengths. So someone who is hopeless, a hopeless romance, really values being cherished and adored by partners. Um, a lot of times they value adventure. They're very optimistic and hopeful. These are all things that you want to cultivate. You don't want to go to the other side and become bitter and jaded and negative because that affects your life quality, it affects how you show up in the world. But if you're operating as a hopeless romance from the place of love addiction, you're very likely to romanticize someone who is walking danger, whether or not the person's a narcissist or whether or not that is a, another human being trying to figure out life, but they are a love avoidant. And so you're going to be in a relationship with someone who is constantly creating distance with you and you're going to continue to have your abandonment wounds reinforced. The other thing that can happen is you get into a relationship with someone who's amazing and healthy and available, but because you have a core belief that you are going to be abandoned and that there's something wrong with you and that you are flawed, you are going to push away this healthy love from this person. And so uh, the core denominator in all of these archetypes, y'all, a lot of times we, it's so easy for us to externalize and say, once I get here and once I reach this place, once I have this relationship, once I have this person, once I have this status that I will feel whole, but the wholeness has to start within you. And there's a big difference between, um, by the way, <laughs> when I say that versus when people say, well, you have to be happy with yourself before you find somebody. That's not what I mean. I feel like that's the biggest insult to people of all statuses because relationships and love are not something that you earn. However, you want to pursue healing uh, for your sake, for your peace of mind, for your sense of stability, so that when you do reach out and when you partner with people and when you parent people and when you mentor people and when you are just any in any kind of relationship with anybody behind somebody at the checkout line, that you are able to have full connection uh, to yourself, to be fully open to love and prosperity and joy and whatever, form, whatever forms they come in and able to decipher when something is dangerous, when something is emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically, sexually, financially dangerous and to react accordingly versus continuing to act in your trauma patterns. 
But because someone who is love addicted operates from a place of fear of abandonment, they will stay attached to relationships longer than they need to. They will stay attached to fantasizing about exes and previous relationships and just romanticizing how good it could have been or, you know, we're on a break right now. But when we get back together, they're going to go through all these changes and then, you know, things will be better. Um, Romanticizing, man, when we had this fight, I bet they're so mad. I bet they're looking at my stories. I bet they're, you know, eating crow and you do all this stuff in your your brain because it's your way of self-soothing and trying to tell yourself that you're important through the lens and eyes of somebody else and what they are feeling or what they are not feeling because you do not have the connection to know that you are gold you are shining gold you are shining jewels you are amazing as you currently are and you don't need nobody else it doesn't matter if they're crying and spitting throwing up on the corner or not that you are a treasure and you are the prize. And here's the thing, especially if you're attached to someone who is unavailable, these are the people who don't see your value, which is why they treat you like trash. So you're spending all this energy either outwardly, you know, playing revenge games, being Miss Petty, doing all this stuff, trying to get them to be hurt, or you're in your head romanticizing how they are probably in pain um, when chances are this person doesn't care. And they don't care because there's there's a disconnection within themselves where they're not able to show up and see value and connect with people. It has nothing to do with you, but you will make it about you because of that core fear of being abandoned. Um, the love balance person, on the other hand, trusts in connection. She trusts that connection is available and and healthy for her. She trusts that connections are good for her. She trusts that to be attached to someone can and does provide safety. And she trusts that connection is a privilege to be guarded and earned at times. So um, tr- let me say that a different way. Connection is a, a privilege that a person needs to preserve. And if they don't preserve it and guard it and honor it, then it can be severed. That is different than being earned because many people who are avoiding, which we'll talk about soon, we'll see how long this episode goes. Um, this might be, this might need to be a three-part episode because I'm looking at time already. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> this may need to be a three-part episode. Um, well, not sorry because this is good stuff. Um, but the reason why it, there is a difference between the right to be connected to you being earned versus preserved is many people who are love avoidant will push people away and have walls and be, you know, real nasty and mean and make people have to fight their way through all these barriers to get to know you. And y'all have heard me say this before. There is a difference between having a reserved personality and having someone who's a little bit quieter. So being someone who's more of an observer, being someone who's a little bit more introverted versus someone who's intentionally um, walled off and hard and resistant towards other people due to your fear of being hurt, due to your fear of being taken advantage of. Just like the love addict, you are leading with fear. And, and these are the types of relationships we know when we talk about um, scammers, when we talk about narcissists, when we talk about con artists, when we talk about um, pickup artists and womanizers, those of us who are super walled off, I know I'm talking about love addiction, but let me just say this part. Those of us who are super walled off and have trust issues, we are the perfect prey for these types of people 
because they are master manipulators at seeing exactly what it is that you need, seeing exactly what it is that they that you want to hear and knowing exactly where your insecurities are because it's a common pattern that they see and giving that to you and then your walls like let lower, right? And then you're more willing to let them in and then you end up getting burned on the other side and then you're like, see, this is why I don't trust people. This is why I don't let people in. Versus... Versus when you come from a place of being love balanced and knowing that you're worthy of love and knowing that other people are worthy of love and that you have internal standards of love and respect and kindness and openness that you come from and that you expect that other people will do the same. And when they breach that or when they show signs of that, that then the walls go up, it allows you to have more access to healthy people. It allows you to kind of have more of a word is a litmus test, but it is more of a spectrum of experiences to measure the pickup artists and the scam artists and all these people against so that you know when you're being love bombed versus when you are growing in relationship with people, knowing that it takes time, that it takes um, maturity, that it takes reciprocity, you know, from both sides. And when you are knowing that, a, knowing that it's a privilege to be connected to you and that someone needs to preserve that, you are constantly just aware of how you feel in the moment. Does this feel safe? Does this not feel safe? How do I know that this doesn't feel safe because this is trauma or does this not feel safe because this is just against social codes and uh, more? Or does this not feel safe because... You know, we just don't click. <laughs> or does it not, you know, like what, what is it actually that I'm feeling? And then for you to be connected to that. As I've healed and as I've grown, there have been so many experiences that I was so crystal, crystal clear and sure that the other person was the asshole and I was reading the situation correctly. And the longer I live... <laughs> And the more experiences I have and the more I learn about myself and the more of those wounds that I have had to uncover and go through this process with, the more I can look back at some situations and say, wow, so if I just would have said this, if I just would have asked a question, if I just would have clarified, if I didn't make assumptions on what I thought that person thought or felt, if I would have fully owned that I was good enough in that moment, I wouldn't have created an exit strategy to leave because I was so afraid that they would reject me. So I self-rejected first, you know, um, it becomes easier for you to be more positive. And as I've stated in previous episodes, I just want to validate that it is it can be very true that there are many of us that are currently surrounded in settings, whether or not it's family whether or not it's friendships or whether or not you're just in a city and town that looks really, that seems so destructive and negative to you, uh, that you, that you don't feel safe because you don't really have a lot of healthy people around you. And that is a very real thing. And, and I need you to know that these people are not the prototype for every single human being in the world. And if you want to change your experience, you got to change your playground. If you want to change your playmates, you got to change your playground. That's how the phrase actually goes. So you can't expect to find new friends in the same rusty, dusty old park you keep going to. You got to go down the street, girl. You got you got to go someplace else and create something new. And you also have to be open and bring new strategies than what happened, what you've done before, because those strategies. Hey, we 
hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. As our country continues to grow and make new meaning of the intersection between current and historical events, it is so important to stay connected to the voices and the leaders who are influencing what progress, connection, equality, and truth mean to us as Black people. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection from some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Haven't worked for the most part. And if they have worked, then bring the ones that are productive and then add a little bit of tweaking to to get the types of connections that you want. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. Ladies, I am so excited to share that for this podcast episode, I've partnered with eHarmony, the dating app that helps people find real genuine connection. And for me, this app has absolutely held true to their promise, connecting me to a truly incredible relationship and partnership with someone who truly gets me. Dating apps can be so hard when it comes to filtering through persons who you may not have anything in common with or who may not be super serious about the process and committed. With eHarmony's one-of-a-kind compatibility quiz, you get a baseline standard in every match of your compatibility around values, communication styles, likes and dislikes, energy levels, and so much more. My experience with eHarmony has always been superb with not only the quality of men I was matched with, but also with our compatibility when dating, eliminating the stress of feeling as if I was wasting my time. So join the dating app that helps users find their most authentic relationships. eHarmony, get who gets you and start free today. Okay, so the next quality is a love addict will operate from a place of truly needing acceptance versus someone whose love balance will operate from a place of feeling very self-esteemed and being connected to who she is. So let's talk about needing acceptance. So yes, this can and absolutely is qualities of love of codependence. So really needing other people to be happy with you, to like you, to to only feel safe when everybody's copacetic, even when it involves you denying taking care of your own needs, taking care of your own needs mentally, emotionally, 
spiritually, financially, sexually, you know, the whole gamut, right? But I want to be clear about something to go to kind of do a throwback to what I said before about every single archetype and every single need being grounded in something that is human and something that is healthy. As human beings, we need relationships. The longer we try to push people away, the the more depleted we feel, the more empty we feel. Those of us who are highly avoidant and highly um, uh, hypervigilant around relationships, that was, that was learned. That was learned through trauma. That was learned through pain. That is not how you came into this world. You learned that to be safe, you had to push people away. But if things had gone differently, if your background had been different, if your growing up experience had been different, you would have been shining and thriving in your own set of relationships, whether or not, again, you're an introvert versus an extrovert, whether or not you like a small, tight-knit group, or whether or not you really thrive in big groups and communities. That is your your happy place is within that spectrum, not in being by yourself. I'm saying this as I talk about love addiction, because I think when we talk about wanting to be loved and wanting to be accepted, it gets such a bad rap. It is gets painted as weakness when to be human is to be loved and to give love. That That is our most enlightened state of being, to be just radiating and operating in love. So there's nothing weak about wanting acceptance and giving acceptance and connecting fully and richly with other people. However, again, going under what this looks like as a love addict, it goes from having this basic human need of being in relationship, being in community to this very intense demand, this craving, this reveling and having to be accepted and desired by everybody or desired by particular people in your community. So sometimes it's by everybody. So those of us who have a very um, strong people-pleasing stance in history, uh, that in which I've talked about in previous episodes, that looks like you're only safe when everybody's happy because otherwise you may be punished or attacked. But absolutely in romantic relationships as well. Um, I need to be loved. I need for this to be reciprocated. I need this to work out. I don't feel comfortable walking away from this because this is the only love that I've ever known. Um, This is the only love that's loved me in this way. I have this fear that I won't ever get this again. And there's this need for this to work out. Um, And like all things, this is all a trauma response. I don't think I've said this yet in this episode, but I know I've talked about it before. But the people that we are addicted to, or the relationships that we're addicted to, or the fantasies that we are addicted to, they are only placeholders for a deeper wound and a deeper trauma, which is why when they are no longer present, or when we try to step away from it, or when we try to create a new story around it, it seems impossible. We can logically know that this is not the only person in the world that will be available for us, but we don't believe it. (laughs) We truly Our hearts, our our brains, our minds can't get around it, but it's because we have a core abandonment and rejection and trauma wound that stops us from even being able to fathom that we could have real, true, lasting, caring, open, unmeasured, unregulated for those of us who had to earn love in our families of origin, that we can have free open connection to someone that's given to us just for being us, just because the person vibes with us. 
because they dig us flaws and all. But we need to be accepted by the people who don't love us. We need to be accepted by the people who are giving off red flags. We need to be accepted by the haters. We need to get ex- be accepted by the trolls. We need to be accepted by everybody. Otherwise, that is proof that there's something wrong with us without realizing, going back to what I've said already, maybe those are just people who just we just don't click and that's okay. Maybe these are people who don't like you or don't vibe with you because they're jealous of you, which is something that I did not learn until later in life. People would say that. And I was like, I don't get how they, I don't think it's jealousy. No, y'all other grown adult people. And I'm saying this for the people who don't know. Some of y'all are like for sure. And some of y'all in your thirties and forties and fifties, and you just can't fathom that there are people who are jealous of you. And that's why they're being mean to you. Not because you've done anything wrong. Um, and not just because they're spiteful people, like they might be spiteful people, but it's also because you're so wonderful and there's something in you that they see. And that is what they are um, radiating from. And I, and I think that's important for me to say, because for especially for those of us who are operating and trying to improve our self-love, again, of, at all ages, women, I've worked with women of all ages, from teens to, to late 60s, 70s. Um, this, this is not a respecter of persons and there's not a place, there's not a time that you grow out of it unless you're actively doing the work to heal yourself. But I think it's important for you to hear this because if you are, if you are working from trying to heal your people pleasing, part of that is boundary work and learning how to use your voice and stand up for yourself. But also a part of healing codependency is knowing that you are worthy enough to take up space and to be seen and to say no and to be uh, protected in that way. And for you to see yourself that way, you have to like yourself. You have to see yourself as esteemable, which is the love, uh, which is the other part of being love balanced, right? You have to see yourself as special. And it will be really helpful for you to know that sometimes people are mean just because of their own issues. And sometimes they're mean because they see this light inside of you. And I need you to know that. I need you to know that you are enviable. (laughs) I need you to know that you're worthy of being jealous of, that your beauty, that your talent, that your laughter, that your your generosity, that your talent at your job. I, I need you to know that all of those things are things that are enviable by people who don't know how to be in connection with how and when they're threatened. And that's okay. Um, we don't have to come from a place of looking down on people and saying, aha, you just want to be like me because even that's coming from a place of ego and insecurity. It's just from knowing, okay, I see you. And I see that this is something you got to work on and you'll figure it out. But right now I'm going to take care of me and I'm going to show up for me. So since we're talking about it being self-esteemed, it's knowing that you're special, knowing that you're a treasure, knowing that you're worthy, knowing that you do not have to have something. You don't either have to put yourself on a pedestal around other people to feel good enough and also that you don't need to make yourself lower than other people to feel good enough. Oftentimes, with when it comes to struggling with low self-esteem, we go to either one of those extremes. So if I'm in a room and I operate from a place of ego or needing to one-up, I might be able to only feel comfortable in the room as long as I know, okay, at least I'm the prettiest girl here, or at least I'm the smartest girl, girl here, or I'm the best dresser, or I'm the most accomplished, or I make the most money. If you go to any of those places in your brain because you... It is because there's there's a scarcity 
mindset in there. And there, that is a coping mechanism and defense mechanism that you had to, you had to pick up along the way. It, it came from a really real and legitimate place. And that is stopping you from being fully present. It places you in, in places of competition with people when really you might want to be coming from a place of love and connection and ownership. Um, when you operate from that one up place too, that is a place of feeling very threatened and feeling very uh, defensive. Even if you have something on the other people in the room, right? It's not coming from a place of being fully connected to who you are. And anytime you're coming from a place of fear, it's going to be very easy for you to get triggered in those relationships. It's going to be very easy for that to fall. Because what happens if someone comes in the room who's prettier than you, that's a better dancer than you, that has more prizes than you, that is better at explaining things than you are, your self-esteem will plummet, right? So we have to get to this place of feeling uh, self-esteem just from who we are. The other extreme is the one down. And these are terms from Pia Melody, who uh, teaches about love addiction as well. Um, if you've ever read the book Facing Love Addiction, she's the author of that book. Um, but in her model, she talks about one up and one down. And other people may say it, but I'm just familiar with um, Pia Melody saying it. So one down is you go from a place, I wish y'all could see me because I'm kind of like bending down and even cowering down, but you kind of bow down to other people. Oh, I'm not that important. Everybody here is important. Um, let's make space for other people. I don't have to talk first. No, you go first. And this, uh, and you're always, always putting yourself last. Y'all, at some point, it, going back to the place of being balanced, there, there's, a, there's a line between being humble and being from being great uh grateful for everything that you have and grateful for everything you are and then shifting to a place where you become self-deprecating and you become self-diminishing and you lower yourself because you don't feel worthy of taking up the spotlight you don't feel worthy of being seen you are so afraid that if that happens someone's going to find you out that you're really not that special to begin with. So it's easier for you to hide. And a self-esteemed person knows that she is worthy of all the things that I've been talking about already this episode. She's worthy of being seen, of being adored and being loved. Okay. So that is the second quality. And like I, I knew it, third one, we are going to have to have a three-part episode to talk about this. <laughs> so stay tuned for that. But the third way or the third characteristic of a love addicts versus love balance is when, when you're operating from a place of love addiction, you may be attracted to unavailable people. And when you're operating from a place of love balance, you will be seeking available partners only. Okay. So as I've gone through the years, I have, I want to amend something that I think I said in previous teachings. Um, and if I didn't say this specifically, I, I'm most likely alluded to it. So I, I, I have said this. I want to amend, take out the statement that when you're operating from a place of love addiction, you are attracting unavailable people. Because um, I don't think that's the case. I think people who are unavailable are around you all the time, 100% of the time. And I think healthy, available people are also around you 100% of the time. I think the difference is, is whatever you are attuned to, whatever is your normal, that's who you're going to see. 
That is who you're going to want to be connected to. That is what's going to feel comfortable for you. So when you're operating from a place of love addiction, when someone is giving off red flags and things that are completely um, emotionally, mentally, sexually, physically dangerous, you may not even recognize them. They might, other people may see it and be like, what, why are you moving forward? And you're like, well, they're, they're perfect. They're great in all these other ways. And they're like, well, what about this? And you're like, that's not really a thing. Or you're just being too picky or, um, well, this other stuff offsets it. Like you don't realize how detrimental it is. Um, because that's what you're attuned to versus when you are operating from a place of being love balanced, you seek healthier people. Those red flags are not attracted to you. Um, they are actually turnoffs. Uh, you know, I've, I've talked many times about how my students will talk about how, you know, dating is different because now they see things, (laughs) they see things. And so they are, they are not going to go on a second or third date for the most part. Sometimes they do, and that's okay. It's all a part of learning. Um, but they most likely do not keep dating someone who is showing that they are unavailable. And even if they do, let me say this, even if they do, they, their eyes are open. They are not being duped. They're not being tricked. They're not being manipulated. They absolutely are aware of what's happening. And so they are walking this path for whatever lesson that they are needing to learn. Um, because relationships and everything that we do, um, everything works for our good, y'all. Every single thing is working for us to be smarter, wiser, stronger, healthier, more open and more loved. And when we come from that perspective, we cannot lose. We cannot lose. Um, There's no such thing as taking an L because it's only bringing you closer to what you needed to know. And now you know what you don't want, which is bringing you closer to what you do want. So just remember that. So when we talk about being attracted to unavailable people, this looks like people who may be strong and aloof. This may be people who so emotionally unavailable. We can be attracted to people who are physically unavailable. So they are always distant. They are always working all the time. They are currently in crisis. And so we see them and we're like, you know what? I am not going to judge you for the fact that this big emotional crisis is currently going on. I am going to stay present and stay your friend without realizing y'all like everybody deserves to be loved. And some of us may have met and you are currently in super amazing, healthy partnerships with someone that you met at a time that was less than ideal. So I'm not going to say it doesn't happen, but I want I want if you are someone who struggles with love addiction, where you're constantly being attracted to people who are unavailable, I need you to pay attention to what your signs and what your patterns are. Is this person someone who is physically there, really attractive, makes the money you want them to make, whatever's on your list, but emotionally they are unavailable because of this big thing? And are you willing to sacrifice your own needs to be paid attention to, to be taken care of, to be prioritized in a relationship in order to take care of this person? Is this a pattern that you continue to have in all of your relationships? If so, take notes, take notes. And again, this doesn't mean that, you know, circumstances can't bring you back together. And this doesn't mean for that it's not for you to move forward because, you know, there are, there are tens of thousands of women who listen to this podcast every week at the time that I'm recording this. And, um, so there are so many different stories. There are so many different stories. So there's, it's impossible for me to 
negotiate and to, to navigate all of them here, all the nuances of them all. But you know, if, if I'm talking to you, you know. And so pay attention to these signs of unavailability. Um, and are you attracted to people who are coming in with the inability to support you and however you need? Okay, even sexually, y'all, are you being attracted to people who are not as sexually attracted to you, who are not um, sexually available, who have sexual addictions, who uh, have no by no fault of their own, um, maybe even sexual dysfunctions that they are not getting help for, that they are not supporting. And so you are neglecting your own sexual needs in order to be present for them. I mean, they're there are so many ways that we will abandon ourselves financially. Um, you know, I can go on and on, but I think you get the picture. So that's being an, on a love addict stance, uh, if that is a consistent pattern. Versus when you are love balanced, you're seeking people who can show up for you mutually. So to be love balanced does not mean that you're going around measuring and scoping people everywhere to see if they cut it to be in relationship with you, you are not, you know, I get the picture of Mary Poppins, you know how she had that tape measure that she took out and she measured everybody against her and the kids and she measured practically perfect in every way, which by the way, totally planted a seed for a little perfectionist Sheena to try to be practically perfect. But anyways, um, this isn't a sign for you to go and try to qualify everybody. But what it is, is that you know what you're desiring and what you're deserving in friendships, where you're deserving in romantic partnerships, where you're deserving in family. That's actually one of the assignments that I have my students do in our program when we talk about boundaries is how do you want people in each of these categories and each of these situations to treat you? How will you know when someone is crossing your boundaries? What is it that you want to feel? What is it? How will you know that it is safe? Because that's so important for you to have in mind. So whoever you're around in whatever situation that you're in, um, if it's not meeting that standard, then this may not be a person who's eligible for the inner circle. But that doesn't mean that they that you don't talk to them. It doesn't mean that they can't be an associate. It doesn't mean that they stay on the outside, but that you don't make allowances for them to come to this very privileged place on the inside of you. Um, if they are dangerous, then you don't need to be nobody's friend. Um, anytime I hear someone who's like, well, I'm breaking up with them because they're a little bit of a narcissist or narcissistic, or they have this really extreme, unmedicated mental illness or whatever, I'm just going to try to stay around them to be a good influence. No, 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 no. That is not your job. That is only the job of a therapist or a caseworker. You cannot help someone who is not ready to be helped, who doesn't want to be helped. And you trying to stay around to be a good influence is not going to make them more desiring to make that transformation. You can try to think, well, if I'm so sweet and kind and loving, of course they're going to want to, or I hope that they would want to, but your thought is actually, of course they're going to want to get to a place where they can actually be in relationship with me. And no, a person who is at that state who is not ready is only going to see someone that they can use and take advantage of. So you need to distance yourself from those people and those relationships to allow them to walk their journey on their own. Do not try to operate from a place where you're trying to be a messiah or save them. Um, that is not your role. That's not your responsibility. Your only role in this life is to build healthy, loving relationships with chosen family, 
whether that chosen family or people who you're already blood related to and that you want to go deeper. People that you meet along the way who become kinship. People who uh, that you meet along the way who become kin, uh, but they're only there for a season. And those who stay for a very long time to the children that you birth, to the children that you don't birth, but you get to mentor and love and pour into those that that is your only responsibility to that chosen family. And so it's up to you as a love balanced woman or a love balanced woman, woman automatically does this. A love balanced woman does not choose project projects. Um, Unless she's being paid or compensated for it in some way, <laughs> unless she has volunteered to 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 show up at the boys and girls club, unless she's volunteered to to give back, and so she knows that her role is always going to be pouring in versus receiving, and that there's limits and boundaries there. Make sure that that is your goal, and these are the types of relationships that you're going to have. Okay, so that's love balanced. So here we are about 45 minutes in for the first component. Uh, I review our framework twice a year. I try to do it at the beginning of the year and also in the middle year. I'm going to have to look back and see how did I, because I know the first time I talked about this framework, I talked about it in one episode, or at least I think I did. So I'm going to have to see how I taught it so that I, these aren't, I mean, I know this is these are good recaps of refreshers, but I'm going to have to see. Um, what I did differently. But I hope that you found this helpful. We're going to go over love avoidant versus love available in another episode and then love deprived versus love worthy. So I hope that you stay around for those. As promised, I was going to share with you something special that's coming back. So uh, the text community, y'all, is back. It's already back. At the time you're listening to this, it's already been um, sent to people on our mailing list and announced on social media. I uh, I have had some women message me saying they still keep texting the phone number, <laughs> just seeing if it will come back. Uh, I went weeks just really missing connecting to y'all and really being able to to be in touch and to send out all those things. So I found a new home. I found a new home and uh, this is going to be a really small subscription service for those who want to continue to receive them. So you can learn more by going to blackgirlsheal.org slash text. That's text with an S at the end. Uh, and it's going to be just like it was before with the weekly encouragements and and shares. There's going to be more impromptu lessons now. Um, I actually have a lesson that I'm going to be sending out to the text community um, probably tomorrow. Yeah, I think I'm going to send it out tomorrow about... Um, about how to break your heart, uh, which is going to be an extended lesson from a TikTok that I just posted recently uh, about how you we can continue to keep ourselves with a broken heart or we're not paying attention to um, our part in a relationship. So I'm going to be talking more about that. So I hope that the ladies who are on the text list enjoy that. So maybe I'll actually wait until Friday to send that out. So that way, it gives people a couple of days to listen to this episode. But yes, I'm going to be sending out more impromptu lessons and things like that. But I'm really excited about it coming back and being able to be in community with you again. If it's not your jam, that's totally fine. I hope that you continue to feel uh, get benefits from this podcast. Uh, but that is how we can be in relationship again. Again, that's blackgirlsheal.org slash text, T-E-X-T-E-X-T-S. And yeah. All right. That's it for today's episode. 
as always, please, please, please take care of yourselves and I will see you in the next one. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors.